This is Pastor Aaron at Oasis Baptist Church, and thank you for checking us out online. I pray that this message is an encouragement to you. Well, it's been a long time since we've done a good old Southern gospel, so this morning was as good a time as any. We want more. <laughs> we only practiced one, and it's been a really long time, so. But... Uh, you know what's awesome is that he is all-time undisputed, and he is a champion of love. And uh, wherever you are this morning, I pray that uh, you would experience the love of Christ through the Word of God, through the, your time in being here. And uh, uh, I am, I, I really don't know how to introduce and how to uh, this is going to sound weird, how to preach this morning. I, I would say this personally, it's been a long time um, since I have just been so convicted in, in teaching and in studying, and, and this week was one of those weeks, and I don't mean that I'm not convicted. Some of you are like, wow, that's awesome. He's, he, uh, it just was one of those weeks that was just convicting. Um, I pray that the study through the book of Galatians has been as challenging for you and encouraging for you as it has been for me personally. Um, but this morning is no different. Uh, I am, we're, we're today and next week we will conclude the book of Galatians. And uh, we have spent many, many, many weeks in this passage of Scripture. And uh, I, I am looking forward to this morning and to concluding it next week in a two-part series. We're entitling Boast in the Cross. And so... As we look at this morning and we look at next week and really all throughout the book, of, the book of Galatians, we've really seen two things. There's been the battle of the flesh or the law and the battle of grace. And we have looked at that over the course of uh, really months. And the question really one of those that we started at the very beginning was, how is one declared right before God? In standing before God, is it, is it based on my works or is it based on the grace of Jesus Christ? Is it, is it based on what I have done or is it the reality that God sent His only begotten Son to die upon a cross, living a perfect and sinless life to, to then die upon a cross for your sin and for mine? That I have nothing to do with my salvation outside of the fact that I would say, God, I need you. I seek you in my forgiveness. I am seeking your face, but there is nothing that I can do to be declared right before you outside of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for me. And so we've looked at all of these different things. We've looked at these different thoughts throughout this entire book. Galatians has been about, as we have entitled it, Set Free. It's that we would be set free from the lies and the belief that it's about us. That we can do it. See, the reality is this. The enemy desires that you would believe that it is about you. He wants you to believe that it's something that you can do. And it's, it's not just in salvation that we believe that. Even for many, you come to know Christ as Savior, but then you believe that you have to do certain things to maintain this salvation. I have to act this way and do this thing and do that thing so that I would be in good standing with God. No, 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 no. See, God loves you unconditionally 
regardless of your action today. See, I could go out and do something horrific in in just a few moments. That doesn't take away the fact that God loves me. I don't have to do more for God to love me more. See, God doesn't love me more. God loves me because that's who God is. And a lot of this study has been about some of those principles that it's not about so much what I can do. It's not about what I have to do. But yet the enemy tells us that we have to do these things. Well, if we're, if we're serving in this capacity, if we're acting in this way, if we're doing that thing, then we are okay with others. Therefore, we're okay with God because they think that we are okay. And that's not at all what we've looked at. For when it's about us, it really changes so many different things. See, sometimes, as we'll look today in this passage of Scripture for a few verses, it's really, it kind of becomes about the motive behind it. When it becomes about me, it becomes about the law promotes nothing but you and I. See, when we dive into the law, the, the law promotes I have to look good in order That everybody else thinks that I'm okay. So therefore, if I do enough things, then I'll be okay in God's eyes. Well, that's not what it is. But when it comes down to it, that's what it becomes. That's what many of our churches have become. Look at me. I do all of these things. I wear the nice suit. I put on the nice dress. And I look the right part. And therefore, it becomes about me. Nowhere in Scripture is it about me. But the law begins to make it about me. It's that legalism. Legalism creates a major problem. It's a problem that our ego pushes God out. It's a problem that we believe our own press release, if you will. We make ourselves the center of our worldview, and therefore we then expect others to do the same. God says, no. John 15 and verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For what does it say? For without me, without God, you can do nothing. As often as I like to think that I'm a pretty good guy and that I have a lot to offer and that I am special and that I am all of these things because in my own pride and selfishness, that's what I want to make sure that everybody thinks about me, right? And you are the same. Guys, you need me. You know, the reality is what Jesus said there was, for without me, you can do nothing. Isaiah chapter 6, and this is a very familiar passage of Scripture, but verses 1 through 7, I would say this to anybody in this room, if there's any passage of Scripture that you could grasp a hold of, this might be one of them. Because when we begin to dissect and look at this passage of Scripture and realize where we are in comparison with how awesome that God is, this really changes a lot of things. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With twain He covered His face, and with twain He covered His feet, and with twain He did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. 
And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And then said I, here's Isaiah, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the king. I don't know about you this morning, but this week it was one of those moments for me where I just looked and I was like, holy cow, God, I am so unworthy. Isaiah, God gave him a vision. He gave him this sight. And he saw all of this. He saw God high and lifted. And he saw them screaming out, holy, holy, holy. And what did he do instantly? He just fell. God, I, woe is me. Who am I? Who am I? For I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphim unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he said, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Listen, today we have looked for many weeks in chapters 5 and 6, and we've given We've been given different choices and different realities, one or the other. Bondage or liberty in Galatians 5. and Flesh or spirit, living for self or living for others. And today we're really looking at this, and today and next week, the praise of men or the praise of God. The motive behind what we do. Paul shares his heart. As we'll get into this passage of Scripture, Paul is sharing his heart and he, he emphasizes things inside of this letter. He says in chapter 6, 11, he says, For what large letters I have written to you. As we go into this, before we just read all of it, we, we look at this passage of Scripture, and I'll dissect some of the verses here, but as we look at this, Paul is writing this, and Paul is, he says at the very end, as he does with basically every, every letter that he writes, he writes this benediction, and he says, Hey, uh, whatever it is, he, he gives that final encouragement, he gives that final challenge, and he, he comes here and he says, I have written in such large letters. For some people, they believe that Paul's eyesight was possibly his thorn in the flesh that he speaks of, that he was losing his eyesight, and that he was, so he had to write large. Other believes that other people would write and say that uh, Paul was writing in what they call Greek uncials or, or, or really just large block letters. And he's, it's almost like what you would see on a stop sign. It's just large block letters so that, that people could see it, that people could, could see what was going on and the warning and so on and so forth. Most likely it's kind of a mixture of all of that. For our day and age, it would be this. When you pull out your phone and you have the text message and you write it in all capital letters... And you're yelling, you're trying to get your attention. Hey, this is important. And Paul comes to the end of this letters and he says, this letter, and he says, I'm writing with large letters that you would grasp a hold of the importance of what we are saying and what we are doing in, in all of this letter. The final contrast of this letter really again gets to the motive behind all of it. See, the Judaizers had a motive that was based on them versus you. Me versus you. The law really does that. It puts 
two people against each other because I want to make sure that I'm better and I have to work and make that happen. It was based on bondage and flesh and self and what have I done. So this morning we come to Galatians chapter 6. We'll be in verses number 11 through 18. The bulk of this morning is really just going to be in the first few verses and we'll dissect out next week the latter end of that. So if you have your Bible with you, Galatians chapter 6, start in verse number 11, and we'll go to the end of not just the chapter, but the book. It says this, Galatians chapter 6, 11, Ye see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution For the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, would be, be with your spirit. Amen. Father, we come to you today, and I ask that you would use your word to pierce and tug upon our heart. That your spirit would speak to those that sit here this morning. That we may have greater understanding. That we, may, that we may be drawn to your son. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. The first thought this morning is to boast in the cross is to not boast in the flesh. If we look at this passage in verse number 12. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh. They constrain you to be, be circumcised. I can't. Uh, stand here again this morning, I, I mentioned some of that heaviness that's been on my heart, some of these convictions, and a lot of this is, is just the reality of what we're reading today. It's, a, it's almost, I feel shame uh, in some ways how often there's been times where I have thought, wow, look what I have done. Look what I have done. Look at the things that that I have been a part of and how these things have happened. And the reality is it has some to do with the fact that I I have tried to just be willing and open and available to God. But the the reality is it's, it's God. But how many times in my personal life, I'm just being open with you this morning. There's been times where I've stood before you or I've thought and had these different thoughts of, wow... I'm a pretty special guy. The reality is, though you may think I'm a special guy and you may like me and hopefully my wife does, she's not here this morning, but it's really not about what I have done. It goes back to who God is. The reality for all of us, it's easy for us to pat ourselves on the back and say, man, I've done this and I've done that and I've served in this capacity and I've served in that capacity. But God's word says what? That I would not boast in the flesh. It's not about 
us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. It says in this passage that they would make a fair show in the flesh. It looks at it's 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 them. They wanted themselves to be seen. They wanted to make sure that others noticed them. We so often boast in what we're doing. To try to make a good showing. See, in this passage of Scripture, all throughout Galatians, the Judaizers were trying to compel. They were trying to show themselves, and they were trying to to compel others. They were going out, and they were literally selling the reason as to why you would need circumcision, why you would need to have the law as a part of all of these things, and they they were compelling you. They were selling something. Is there work done for the glory of God or is their work done for the glory of man look what I am doing look what we are doing maybe it was this it would it would have been look hey guys look at all this I've had these guys over here were all joined in and a part of this circumcision this last couple days look what I've done look at all these people that I've brought to the party so to speak Look at all this and look at all that. The problem so often in our churches and the problem so often in my life, as much as it is, I would guess if we're to be honest, in your lives as well, is we are so concerned with the external, a good showing of where we are outwardly than we are with our inward righteousness. See, Jesus taught it this way in Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1. He said what? Take heed that ye do not your your alms before men to be seen of them. And he says this, guard yourselves from practicing your righteousness before men. I think we practice a lot of righteousness before men. Verse number 2, therefore when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. Why? That they may have glory of men. He says in verse 5, When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as, in the, as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets. Why? That they may be seen of men. Verse 16, When ye fast, do be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces. Why? That they may appear unto men to fast. See, we can't boast in our flesh. We must boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. For it's in the cross that we have salvation. There is nothing that we can do or earn ourselves. Paul spoke of those who trusted in their own righteousness in Colossians chapter 2. He says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the, the rudiments or the elementary things of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him. The traditions, those elementary things of the world, the things that we can boast in, the religious acts that we can perform, the things that we, are, we can now exalt ourselves in, boasting in 
us and in me. And I said this and I, I, I believe that I've confessed this before God, but there's so many times in my life, if I just have to be honest, that I have boasted in me and in what I am doing and in who I am and all of the accomplishments that I have had. And the reality is this, if God were to take me home tomorrow, Oasis Baptist Church would move forward because Oasis is not Aaron's church. Oasis is God's church. Your ministry that you are in is not your ministry. It's God's ministry that he allows us to have a part in. And my problem for me personally is so often, and maybe this is my own conviction of my pride, is so often I am so proud of who I am and all the things that I have done. And as I've read this and as I studied this this week, there was two occasions where I put my Bible down and I just walked this auditorium and just wept. God, I don't want to be that man. I don't want that for me. I don't want that as the leader of a church. I don't want that as the leader of a family. I don't, I don't want to be that. God, I want you to be seen, not Aaron to be seen. And church, the problem in this whole part of this is when we begin to boast in the flesh and we begin to look at the law and we begin to think of all of the things, it's also the same thing that when things aren't going the way that we think that we completely fall apart and crumble because it's all based on what I can do and I can't do. As opposed to me saying, God, the hard reality is I can't, I cannot, I can't do any of it. I can't do any of it. Because in and of myself, I, I don't want to say I'm worthless, but I'm, I'm worthless. God's word says that you can do nothing outside. So this morning... I would ask you the question, are we boasting in our flesh? Are we boasting in the things that we can control? That we look righteous? We're so worried about the outward. We're so worried about the external things that the inward righteousness is completely falling away. It's completely going by the wayside. In church, would we boast in the cross. The second thought is to boast in the cross is not is to not be afraid of persecution. If we look at verse number the second part of this 12, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. They they were doing things so that they didn't have to suffer the persecution. Paul lived a life. Paul did what Paul was doing. And at the end of this chapter, he says what? I can show you the marks. I can show you the scars. I can walk with, let's, let's take a look down memory lane and see what God has done in all of these things. These guys were far too worried about the persecution. Somebody might make fun of me, so here's what they do. They want a little bit of Jesus, but got to keep a lot of this over here so that nobody else will make fun of me. It's all right, I, I really love to sit in the church house for a little bit, but I sure can't get away from all of these things over here that I like because somebody might make fun of me. 
See, they were worried about the persecution. I'll just tell you this. If you want to boast in the cross of Jesus Christ, you cannot be afraid of the persecution that will come with it. Because if we truly boast in Christ, it will come. They were not willing to pay the price of persecution to be identified with Jesus Christ. Paul was preaching the grace of God, salvation apart from works. And he was persecuted and he had the marks to prove it. The Judaizers, you can have Jesus, but also partake of all of these things. Therefore, they wouldn't encounter all that Paul was encountering. See, the cross, the cross is offensive. The cross was offensive then, and the cross is offensive today. The cross was a symbol of death, and today it's more of a symbol of, of, of just, it's a jewelry piece. It's something that we put on our ears. It's something that we put on a, a necklace. It's something maybe we tattoo on our body, whatever it is. But for most, of the, back then, the cross was a symbol of death. It was a symbol of pain. And the Roman persecution, the symbol of Christianity was not the cross like it is today. It was the fish, and it was a secret thing that they would, they would talk about, that they would use. But the cross has, has and still is a symbol of Christ and Christianity. It is the most cruel and agonizing means of execution. It is designed to kill, but is also meant to humiliate, to degrade, and to shame. It was for the enemy of the state and a public deterrent. It was so horrendous. Think about this. The cross and the death of the cross was so horrendous that they would not even put their own citizens to death by it. It is offensive because it points to the grace of God. It points away from me and my works and to a God who lovingly gave himself to the Jew. It is a stumbling block is what it says in the word of God and to the Gentile it is foolishness. John 6, Jesus said, he who eats this flesh and drinks my blood. And what, did it, what happened after that? They left him. Many fled. And he turned around and he says, will you also leave me? Why did they leave? Because of the cross, the, the beating, the pain, the suffering. They didn't understand it. They couldn't comprehend it. But they fled and they left him. And he looked around and he said, but will you also leave me? Philippians 3, 18 and 19, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Any person, religious or irreligious, nominally Christian or pagan, who denies or rejects the sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice for the salvation of men is an enemy of the cross. Judaizers would identify with a church, but they would not identify with the cross. Their trust was in their works. It was in their effort. It was in their self-righteousness. Their motive was their own safety, not salvation. They were more concerned with the outward than the inward. And I am afraid today there's far too many people who are far more worried about the external than they are about the internal. 
We're far too worried about what people think of me today and not worried about where I stand with God in the future. This morning, it's to boast in the cross is not to be in fear of persecution. It's not to compromise the gospel. Listen, I, I don't say this to stand on a soapbox, if you will, but I pray that Oasis Baptist Church will never compromise the gospel message of Jesus Christ. I wish I could stand in all proud, being proud and say that I will never. But I know I'm a human being and I pray that I would be humble before God always. That I would preach the word of God the way that God's word is intended to be preached. And I pray that you will call me out the moment that I stop. In Acts, they did not compromise the gospel of the cross. Rather, they suffered a great amount of pain and anguish. The Judaizers, they had no desire for any such thing. They did not love God with their heart. They wanted to look okay, but not face the realities. This morning, it is my job, it is your job, it is our job not to look okay but it is our part to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind. It is our job, if you will, to share Jesus, to show forth Jesus, a life honoring to the Lord. It is not my job to compel, to persuade, or to sell Jesus. It is my job to live honestly and share Jesus with everything that I have in genuine, heartfelt love and compassion for God, therefore for others. And in doing so, it's not my job to sell you anything. It's my job to show you Jesus Christ and point you to the cross. Listen, we all get so caught up with salvation, or not salvation, but with sharing Jesus and being evangelistic and, and saying all of these things. I have said it before that I get nervous talking and doing some of those things because I don't like to approach people with certain aspects of this. But the reality is this, I don't approach people to sell them something. I approach people to share with them the greatest gift that's ever been given, a hope that they can have in Him, not in me or not in themselves. That ought to be all of our hope and prayer. When was the last time we just cried and wept over somebody's soul who we knew didn't know Jesus Christ as Savior? I think if we were to be honest, most of us would be shamed at the last time we just wept for the soul of man. I know for me, I have been. But I can say this week, as I walked these aisles, I walked past here, and I cried out names of people that I've been praying for. God, you have to do something. God, you have to do something. Because I can't. It's not about selling them anything. Closing the deal. No. It's sharing Jesus with them. Because it's so natural. Because we know Him and we love Him. And we desire that they would have that same thing. And we're not afraid of the persecution that comes with it. To boast in the cross is to not boast in the flesh. To boast in the cross is to not be afraid of persecution. And the boast in the cross is not to be seen of men. 
Obviously, all of these things tie together, and this last point ties with the previous. It's really hypocrisy, which ties in with being fearful or cowardly of others. The countless Judaizers who were circumcised didn't even live a life that they were desiring for you to live. Do you realize sometimes that we are so judgmental to others and we expect you to be something, but we ourselves are not even the thing that we are expecting you to be? I get mad at you, or I get frustrated. Can you believe that they did that? Look in the mirror once in a while and say that same statement. But that's the reality of where we are. And when it becomes the law, when it becomes legalism, I am now looking at you for the things that you are doing or you are not doing. But then I can't look, in my, I can't look myself in the mirror and say the same exact thing. And these people were saying all of this stuff. They wanted to be seen, but they didn't want to live out the life. They wanted you to do it, but they weren't willing to do it themselves. They didn't necessarily even believe the things that they were saying. If we believe what we are saying, we will live what we are saying. Do I believe it to the point that I will live it out? We get angry at the news, right? We've been told in 12 years we're all going to die and burn up because of global warming. And I'm sorry, I'm not going politics. But let's just be honest. If you believe so badly in that what you are preaching to me, then do it. Get on your horse and cross country. I hate, I'm not, I really don't, this isn't a political thing. But if I believe it, then I ought to act it. If I believe the Bible that I am so willing to hold you accountable to it, then I must live it as well. It shouldn't be just about being seen of men. It should be about what's going on in my quiet time, in my closet, when nobody knows what's going on. And then the outward comes. Because the inward leads the outward. And when it doesn't, it will be shown. We've talked about that. We will sow what we reap. That was, we just went there. We do exactly what this says. What is it? That God is not mocked. And our sinfulness has always, man in our sinfulness has always used religion as a cover for sin. Cain did it. He gave an unacceptable offering. He was showing a giving spirit, but his heart was wicked. It is so very possible to be active in the church and yet morally and spiritually corrupt. Hypocrisy can be very easy because I cannot see your heart. How many times somebody has said, I've been praying about this and I just want to look at them and say, there's nothing of God in what you're saying. And there's times that I have made that statement and it usually doesn't end well. But the reality is, you cannot tell me that it's a God thing when it doesn't align with the Word of God. But we do it because it's hard for you to say and question my heart. Because you can't see my heart. God is not mocked. The greatest burden they put on the shoulders of others, as with all false religions, is that of the burden of salvation by works. 
Let us not honor and please ourselves and displease God. 2 Timothy 3, 1-5 says this, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. I just plead with you this morning that we would not be a church, that we would not be a people that would boast in the flesh, but we would boast in Jesus Christ and the cross. This week I said it, that my heart has been just convicted of my own times and so much where it's just, I feel like I've just boasted in me. And I've, I've probably wept this week more than I have in a really long time. And I, I don't really like it because it's hard sometimes to just, when God's just moving in your heart, if you're just honest, it stinks. Because I don't know about, I just don't like getting punched. That's just me. I didn't box for a reason. Like I didn't do those. I don't, I don't want you to punch me all day long. And as I was studying, I just felt like God was a. But I come to this kind of the conclusion in the end this morning. I, I don't want to be a church that's hypocritical. I don't desire to be a church that's wanting to make sure that we look okay, but we're just dying inwardly in our, in our own self-righteousness. I don't desire that. Rather, I just want to beg and plead at the feet of Jesus. And I was just so convicted this week that I... When was, I, when was the last time I just begged at the feet of Jesus? When was the last time I just pleaded with Him? When was the last time that I, I wept over the soul of man? When was the last time? And when was the last time? And I just was... I literally just wept this week. And I, I, I thought of so many things... Because it's just my own selfishness. And I ask you this morning. One, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to boast in me. But I would plead with you that we would boast in the cross. I pray that you would understand and know that the cross is the pivotal point in all of history. The cross is the foundation of our Christian faith. If there is no cross, there is no forgiveness of sin. If there is no cross, there is no salvation. If there is no cross, there is no hope of eternal life. If there is no cross, there is no future. The cross is the great divider. The cross divides the Christian from the non. The saved from the lost. Those who walk in darkness from those who walk in the light. And I would ask you this morning, would you boast in your flesh? Will you continue to boast in your flesh? Or will you stop and boast in the cross? This morning, as we conclude, I 
I just lay it at your feet, and it's a decision that you and I as individuals just have to make. Am I willing to continue to do the things that I have continued to do over and over and over? Or do I really just want to beg and plead and seek the face of Jesus? Is that what I desire? Or am I happy with right where I'm at? And don't, but don't boast in you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> let us not boast in ourselves. But let us boast in the cross of Jesus Christ this morning. I would plead with you. Maybe you sit here today and you would just say, Pastor Aaron, I don't know Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I would ask you this question, would you surrender that life to Him? It's not about me trying to sell you something, as I said. It's not about me doing anything other than sharing with you the hope that I have in Him. Because He sent His only begotten Son to die, to cover the sin, to give you hope, to give you a joy, a a, a hope for tomorrow, a hope for today. Would you give Him your life? Believer this morning... Say no to you and yes to Him. The greatest joy, the greatest thing that any of us can do is just to say, it's not about me. God, here you go. It's not about me, God. Whatever you have. Again, thank you for checking us out online. If you have never been to one of our services, it would be such an honor to have you as one of our guests. If you have made any decision today, our staff would love to celebrate with you. Would you please email us at info at oasislv.church.